Come Holy Spirit now and enliven the preaching of your word with your power. Come and descend upon this congregation and open our hearts to the teaching of the scriptures. Lord, we pray that as we begin this season of repentance and of reorienting our love to Christ, Lord, we would not do this in the flesh, but it would be by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we would pray that for the reading, preaching, and teaching of the word of God as well. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I don't know, for some of us, this may be our first Ash Wednesday or our first Lent that we've ever participated in. Uh, if it is, um, uh, let me explain a few things. There's a couple of things that always get uh, asked or commented on as we move into a season of Lent like this and about Lent in general and about Ash Wednesday in particular. And so the first thing is, uh, is this. Uh, are we, is this all about works righteousness? Well, no. No, it's about being a disciple. And, you know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So self-denial, taking up our cross and following Jesus, that's just being a disciple. And in the Matthew text that we just heard read, Jesus doesn't say, don't pray, don't fast and don't give. He says, when you pray, when you fast and when you give. So those are all, and you know what? Those are the Lenten disciplines right there. Self-denial, prayer, fasting, and giving. So it's all in the Bible. Now, does this make God like us any better? No, it does not. He loves us infinitely right now. What this, this, this is not to please God. This is to help us get in line with the Holy Spirit so that Christ may be formed in us. He already loves us infinitely. He's not going to love you more if you keep a holy Lent or if you don't keep a holy Lent. So, or, or well, I hope you're holy all the time, but <laughs> if you don't do any special fasting or giving anything up or whatever, that's fine. But it's all about being open to the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the second thing that always get, gets asked, particularly when we come to Ash Wednesday, is this. It's okay. I, do they know what they just read in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, when you fast, do not disfigure your face and don't go around so that your fasting may be seen by men. And then they're going to put a gob of ashes on my forehead. How is that even making sense at all? It seems like the exact contradiction of what Jesus is teaching here. So let me just say this at the beginning. If, if you, and I'm quite serious about this, if, you're, if you have scruples about, of course, it's dark and raining, so it's going to wash off by the time you get to the car anyway, uh, and nobody's going to see you. But if you were to have scruples about wearing a cross of ashes on your forehead because of what Jesus has instructed us here, then yes, I think it's exactly right to go immediately after this. We, we start our fast here together. We're not making anybody, we're not impressing anybody in this room, and you just go wash it right off, and that's fine. However, I will tell you that I don't have any problem uh, wear, wearing the cross of ashes. Uh, this morning, we, we had them imposed at morning prayer. I've been to the gym since then, so it's all gone now. Uh, but here's why 
here's what the ashes stand for, and here's why they are biblical. We know in the Old Testament, uh, one of the ways that God's people demonstrate sorrow for sin, for lamentation over sin, uh, for being aware of our own mortality. You know, it's like it says in the scriptures, you know, uh, in Job, uh, from, uh, from, you know, from dust you came to dust you will return. Well, that's actually in Genesis. But uh, we're, we're made from dust and to dust we return. The scriptures tell us that. And in Job, when Job is uh, fasting and lamenting because of his, his being tormented by all the sores and stuff, what does he do? He tears his clothes and he sits in ashes and he put ashes on his head and things like that. So it's a symbol of our mortality and for the repentance of sin as well. So I have no qualms about this. But here's another reason why I think it's okay if you did like I did this morning, got your ashes at morning prayer or something like that and walked around with ashes visible to the public. Here's the reason why. In first century Palestinian Jewish society, overt showy acts of religious piety, like almsgiving with a fanfare. Do not be like the hypocrites, you know, who have a trumpet playing when they give. So overt religious piety. So almsgiving with fanfare. Ostentatious public pray. They love to be seen on the street corners praying. Making a spectacle out of fasting. We're always of, listen, garnering public prestige, praise, and admiration. Prestige, praise, and admiration. People were impressed with these public signs of religiosity. Wow, you're a really holy person. I really admire you. Here, have a free falafel on me. But beloved, my experience, I'm sure they had falafel in, in first century Palestine. My experience indicates that in North Carolina, in the year 2017, this is not going to happen to you. No one is going to admire you because you have an ashen cross on your forehead. A very few people who enter the Lenten fast with us, who do, do, who do the ashes on the forehead, may see you and may see this as a sign of solidarity and being part of a counter-cultural community of Jesus followers. And I think that's kind of cool and good. So that's one thing that might happen. But more frequently, however, because this has happened to me here in the South, well-meaning folks will point out that you have something on your forehead and will give you a paper napkin to help you take it off. And even more likely that, uh, than that is the response of many folks living in our area who will have a response of deep suspicion and even today sometimes even hostility. Religious fanatic. Bible thumper may be what they think of us, but not this. Wow, I am so impressed. I really admire your devotion to Jesus Christ. That's not going to happen. So today, Father Keith and I went, we're, we're out, on, uh, out in, in the community uh, doing ministry, and today we did have our cassocks on. You know what a cassock is? You remember, you know what that is? You know, ever seen The Matrix? You know that guy? <laughs> So what Neo is wearing, right, that's a cassock, a black cassock. And, you know, it's weird looking kind of, but it's, it's actually uh, standard uh, priestly wear 
traditionally, but nobody wears those usually. But we were out with ours on, and uh, I, had, I had the black smudge of ashes on my forehead, and we were in a parking lot somewhere, and, some, and, and this was the look we got. Uh, this one lady did the, the eye look, the cutting of the eyes, like... <laughs> Nobody was favorably impressed. Nobody said, wow, good ashes, well done. <laughs> and even in the Bible Belt, open hostility to the person and name of Jesus Christ is actually on the rise. Just last week at a town hall meeting in uh, Metairie, Louisiana, Dr. Michael Sprague, the Louisiana state chaplain, was booed and jeered when he opened a meeting with prayer. I watched the video of this event, and when he spoke the name of Jesus at the end of the prayer, when he said the name of Jesus at the end of the prayer, the crowd began to shriek with rage and pain. It was demonic, or at least it sounded that way. And you can hear one na woman, now this is in Louisiana, y'all, and I'm not talking New Orleans. I'm talking the normal places in Louisiana. One woman even screamed Lucifer at the top of her lungs. So brothers and sisters, the days are gone when the culture is going to give you an attaboy for identifying yourself with Jesus Christ. You are not going to get a 10% discount at Starbucks for having a cross on your forehead. And so we can wear this cross of ashes because it is a symbol of reproach and not a badge of honor. Wearing the cross, wearing this cross enables us to enter into once again into the shame and scandal of the cross of Christ. The shame and scandal of the cross of Christ. And that is at the heart of Lent. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. Now, when we take up the cross, we don't embrace popularity or power. Instead, we take up weakness and brokenness, the weakness and brokenness of the crucifixion. So I want to say something to young people here, and it means younger than me this evening. Maybe if you're still living at home uh, as a young person, or maybe a very, very young adult, Wearing this cross tells the world that you are so devoted to Jesus Christ that you are willing to not fit in, not to be popular. It means saying that if following Jesus makes me a freak, I am willing to be a freak because when the kingdom of God finally comes, when it finally comes in its fullness, Jesus will claim me as his own. The cross we bear says we care more about what Jesus thinks about us than what our peer group or our friends think about us. And at the beginning of Lent, we need to ask ourselves this. And this is one of the things that putting this cross on your forehead will do. It helps us ask ourselves this. Am I ashamed of Jesus? Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me... And of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. We can wear this cross because it is not a symbol of honor in our society. Once again, it is a symbol of reproach. It also reminds us, wearing this cross, being reminded of the cross, 
reminds us of this absolutely essential fact. Brothers and sisters, God's greatest work is done through, listen, brokenness. God's greatest work is done through brokenness. That is what the cross is. It is the ultimate symbol of brokenness, and that is what the cross symbolizes. The psalm we will read in just a few minutes, we actually use this psalm, Psalm 51, as an act of contrition, tells us that God does not rejoice in our power, our wisdom, or our human strength. But listen to this. The sacrifices of God. What is a sacrifice that pleases God? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Up in the uh, chapel upstairs, and if you didn't know that, we have a little prayer room upstairs, and I hope it gets used a lot this year because Christ Church is leaning into a season of prayer. Up in our chapel, uh, above the altar table that's up there right now, is a tapestry that I have had at my house in storage now for many years, actually since we moved here. Um, I've had, actually, since 2007, a friend of mine commissioned an artist who, uh, who struggled deeply with mental illness and with physical pain. He commissioned this artist, and she worked uh, in a lot of media, but fabric was one of the media that she worked in. And she created this amazing tapestry, and I invite you to go and, and spend some time in prayer in that chapel in front of it, perhaps. But this amazing tapestry, and it's a cross on this tapestry. And the name of this tapestry, the name of this work of art, listen, is the crown of suffering. Out of her brokenness, God created this object of beauty. God's greatest power in our lives is not our own capabilities. It's our willingness to offer our brokenness to him to his glory. That's what the cross is. In Lent, we are reminded that God cherishes and desires our human weakness. Uh, Paul's credentials as an apostle of Jesus Christ are actually listed in the second Corinthians passage we heard read this evening. The Corinthian church that Paul was addressing was obsessed that their ministers have proper credentials. Things have really changed. Because you let me be here. <laughs> but they were obsessed with that their ministers have proper qualifications along the lines of the superstar traveling orators and philosophers of their day. So Paul goes on to list the credentials that he claims in that passage. But they are not exactly what we would consider a resume uh, enhancement in our world, and it was certainly not a resume enhancement in the world of the New Testament church. Listen to what he points to. He points to his brokenness and weakness. He says, "Great, this is my, these are my credentials, great endurance, troubles, hardships, and distresses, beatings, imprisonment. So like, you're, you know, when, when I leave Christ church in a box, all right, and you go into a pastor search, because that's how you're getting rid of me. <laughs> I doubt that one of the things that you're going to list on the qualifications for your next minister is must be an ex-con. 
But Paul says imprisonment is a part of his qualification. Riots, hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, purity, understanding, patience and kindness, genuine yet regarded as false, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet living on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Paul says, you want my credentials? Here's my cross. And that brings us back to Jesus who tells us not to try to win public approval through religious exhibitionism. But he doesn't say to keep our faith secret and private. Disciples do publicly live out their faith to be seen. Jesus says in the same way, this is Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So the cross we receive tonight calls us to a way of life that does not bring glory to ourselves, but does bring glory to God. Now, there's an alternate text, Old Testament text, that can be used as Isaiah 58 on Ash Wednesday. And in that text, God actually does call his people to dramatic and ostentatious demonstrations of fasting and repentance. And, he, and this is what God calls for in that passage. And let me suggest that this is what God calls for from us during our Lent. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. This, brothers and sisters, is the ultimate self-denial. This is genuine fasting and cross-bearing. This is what we receive when we receive this ashen cross tonight. It is an invitation, an invitation to offer our brokenness and weakness to God for his glory and to use that for his kingdom. It is an invitation, invitation to do acts of justice and mercy. An invitation, it is an invitation to trust God enough so that our weakness can become our credentials of Christian discipleship. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to embark on a holy Lent. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
we may remember that it is by your grace alone that we receive the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. I invite the worship team and our sound technician to come up at this time and receive the imposition of actions. Takes away the sins of the world. 